Hi, this is Stuart Hardy. I'm so excited to bring you episode number 82 of the All In Sports Outreach Podcast. Today you're going to hear from Stephen Terrell. His resume is full of accomplishments, of a successful football playing career at Texas A&M. He played five-plus seasons in the NFL. But most of all, just an incredible man of God, loves the Lord, high character. He's married, has a stepdaughter age eight, lives in the Dallas area, so I cannot wait for you to hear from Stephen, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Stephen. Oh, thanks for having me. You bet. So I always like to start these off just asking to share a little bit about your background, uh, maybe a little bit about your family growing up. Obviously, we're going to talk some sports, what sports you played, and a little bit about your family today. Okay, yeah, so I was born... Born and raised in Allen, lived there whole my whole childhood growing up. Um, uh, my parents, uh, I was the youngest, so I was the youngest. I had an older brother, older sister. Um, and growing up, it was always football for me. Like, I played basketball and soccer, but uh, football was always the, the sport for me. Went to Allen High School, um, and then from there went to A&M, and then was lucky to get in the career of the NFL. So that's kind of how we, we grew up. Um, but it was, I was blessed to have both parents in the household. They've been that's together awesome. for over 35 years. So that, that was a blessing too. That's awesome. So did you grow up uh, in a family of faith? And then at what point did you decide, you know what, I need a personal relationship with Jesus? Right. So growing up, we were always in the church. Big part of it. My, my mom was... She did everything at the church. She was in the choir. Uh, she was over kids, you know, the children's church. Yeah. She, she did everything. She was a superstar. Um, and I, I want to say I was 13. 13 was when I, I decided to make that decision to uh, accept him as my personal savior. And it was something I was always building up to, but it was just one day I just felt, I felt it was time. And went mm-hmm. to, back then it was like, he used to go to the front of the church and yeah. <laughs> And uh, do it in front of everybody. It's a little different nowadays, but that's that's how it happened, and it was, uh, it was a blessing. That's awesome. We'll talk a little bit about uh, faith a little bit later, uh, kind of get back to sports. You mentioned uh, playing high school football at Allen High School, and for those that are outside of Texas, Allen is the one of the largest. It's a, now it's a powerhouse. Um, produced a lot of uh, athletes. Um, so talk about playing high school at a place like Allen and um, and maybe even for those that aren't familiar with Texas high school football, any pressure um, on Friday nights? Oh yeah. Friday night lights is real. The movie, everything that is, that's real. But um, for me, so my brother grew up, he played, he was three years older than me and he was in on the varsity team um, like in 05. He graduated 05 and when I was growing up, like, those are my heroes. Like, I, I like the Cowboys and all that, but the Allen Eagles was, like, my team. Like, I couldn't wait to be an Allen Eagle. And and now it's it's crazy to see how far it's came and how it is and how this big powerhouse. But back when we were growing up, and it wasn't like that. It wasn't always like that. So getting to play in Allen and, and with all the pressure that comes with that, it was amazing that my senior year we got to win state. So we were the first – to win state um, in Allen. And I, I like to say we helped build the kind of the, the powerhouse that they have now, but it was definitely a lot of pressure um, just just being in that position. I think now 
kids graduate Allen, they go to D2 schools and it's like a downgrade. Like it's it's a little right. mini college. It's a mini college now. <laughs> and it's just a blessing to be able to to play on that stage just in high school. Like it's amazing. I go to the games now. Um and I just it's unbelievable. It's it's really unbelievable. They're pretty spoiled out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been over uh to the stadium a couple times and it's it is crazy to walk in a high school stadium that seats that many people and yeah, you're right. It's um, it's definitely a, a small college. Right. So, and you mentioned playing at A&M. So, talk about your recruiting and, and why why Texas A&M. So, for me, I kind of hate to admit it now, but growing up, I was a UT fan. So, I, I, you know, through football, I kind of wanted to go to UT, but it just didn't it didn't work out. I never got offered by them, and uh, I liked A&M also, and it was close to home. So I was, I was looking, I had a, a, a good amount of offers, but um, the ones in Texas that stood out were TCU and Texas and uh, Texas A&M. And I really wanted to stay uh, close to home and Texas A&M was, it was a good fit for me at the time. I loved Coach Sherman um, and it was just a perfect fit for me. And I'm, I'm really glad that I made that decision to go to Texas A&M. Awesome. And you were at A&M you're in a pretty big move to the to the SEC. So talk about going, um, I mean, being a part of that, I mean, which is a, a big deal now, you know, oh, for the Aggies to, to be in the SEC. So talk about being a part of the program during that transition. Right. So it was it was a bunch of transition going on at the time because so my first three years we had been in the Big 12 and I've been with Coach Sherman, Mike Sherman, and then – I don't know. I can't remember which one was first, but they fired Coach Sherman and we moved to the SEC. So it was huge transition for us. And, um, you know, I really didn't want Coach Sherman to get fired. Like, I was a big fan of his. And uh, But Coach Sumlin came in and he was great. We loved him. Like, the, the group of seniors just bought in and, and um, we had Johnny going. Johnny was playing unbelievable. And it was just crazy. Um, it was really cool to be a part of a team um, that kind of beat the odds. Like everybody was saying, oh, going to the SEC, those are big boys over there. Y'all aren't ready. Like at the, the media days, it was just like, that's all you heard. Like, are y'all ready for the SEC? It's a different type of ball. And we went in and kind of took over that first year. We, we played really well, beat Bama. Um, we only lost a couple of games, uh, and they were, by, I think, combined like six points or something like that. So it was really a, a really cool experience to to play in those new stadiums for the first time. And just everything was new that year, and just to have that type of success was was amazing. That would be pretty cool as a as a senior, you know, kind of go out that way. Right. Yeah, we went out the right way. That is good. What What would you say? Um, I know there's a lot of memories because of just that senior year. What would you say your greatest memory of playing at A&M? It was definitely beating Bama. So, (laughs) you know, and it was in Bama. You know, Bama was, like, unstoppable. They were comparing them to, like, NFL teams. And um, just to to go into that stadium, which is one of the craziest stadiums, that was a a cool experience in its own. But to go down there and win – was pretty cool. And I know at the end of the day, it didn't really affect, you know, they still won the national championship. They still went. That's just how Bama is. But just to to be able to beat them was pretty cool. And, and to go to that Cotton Bowl and win, 
off of that success. But I'd have to say that was my best memory at, at college. Yeah. Well, I grew up uh, in, in Alabama. I grew up an Auburn fan. So oh, okay. uh, seeing Alabama lose usually brings joy <laughs> in our house a lot. So, yeah, that is good. And you're right, though. Even even when they get a loss or two, they still find a way to stay at the top. They find a way to make it every year. Yeah. So, you know, post A&M, you know, obviously every, most players' dreams is to hear their name called on draft night. You didn't. Um, so what was it like going through the draft? Phone not ringing, but right. at the end of the draft, you do get phone calls, right. um, you know, as, as a free agent. But so talk about that whole draft process. So the for me, it was it was a little frustrating and just a lot of uncertainty. So, like I said, I was undrafted, and I didn't really uh, expect to get drafted until, you know, that last day I had a team call me. Um, they called me, and they were like, yeah, you know, we have two, we have two picks in the seventh round. Um, we're going to take you with one of those. So that kind of, like, sparked my interest. I got excited. And those two picks came and went, and I never heard from the team again. It was just like, wow. That's what was frustrating to me. It's kind of like, man, they got my hopes up, and then I guess something happened. They end up going elsewhere. Um, but yeah, after the draft, it's just like frantic. You know, your phone's ringing, you're talking to your agent, trying to figure out the best fit. And um, so for me, like, I had some teams that I would have loved to play for, but it was just like the fit was better elsewhere. So I ended up going to Jacksonville um, as an undrafted free agent. And I turned down, you know, like the Cowboys, which was my, my team growing up, but it was all, it was all kind of a business decision and ended up working out. But um, it was, it was kind of a, a, a long weekend, just waiting, seeing all those, those people go before you. But at the same time, there's a lot of motivation, like, because I felt like I belonged, and I, I just, you know, you just have that chip on your shoulder um, to to go out there and prove everybody wrong. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a couple guys I know that similar situation, and they said looking back, you know, if you're going to get picked in the seventh round, it's almost better to go undrafted because you kind of have a little more control. Exactly. And, um, yeah, that is true, because a lot of those seven rounders end up getting waived at the end of camp anyway, and it. When you're a free agent, like I said, you get to at least pick to who needs you more. And sometimes right. you bonuses and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely – you. I think you, you see more people undrafted make it than seventh rounders, which is – I guess it makes sense. It's bigger. Yeah. So what was it like, that first training camp, uh, going into training camp? I mean, there's veterans, there's top picks, and then there's that group of undrafted – rookies that people just think they're there just for camp right. right I was honestly terrified I'm not even gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I was terrified because it's just like it's just it's just overwhelming kind of because you're on the biggest you know you're on the biggest stage now and for me it was kind of like my confidence wasn't as high as it should have been just because going through the process I'm like man I didn't get drafted like they have all these other draft picks um and like it was, it was frustrating. It was terrifying. But I just, I just wanted to not mess up. Like that was kind of like my, my, my thing. Like just didn't want to mess up. But that fear of getting, you could get cut at any day. That kind of drove me, and it kind of made me mm -hmm. perform to my best. Because it was literally when I was in Jacksonville, everybody, somebody was getting cut every day. They made 
transactions every day um, involving rookies, involving everybody. So it was just that fear just kind of pushed me, that fear of, of getting cut pushed me. You know, as I was preparing for this, just kind of looking over, you know, some of your NFL um, stats and, you know, kind of bounced around a couple times to practice squads, but then you get called up with the Seahawks. Right. Um, to an active roster and ends up getting to go to a Super Bowl. So what, what's it like going from undrafted rookie, getting cut a couple times, Seahawks, and now you're in the Super Bowl playing against the Patriots? Right. So that was just unbelievable. I tell people all the time, like, I feel like I've seen – like all the levels of the NFL. Like I've been on practice squad. I've been active. I've got to start a few games. I've, I've just been on the worst. I've been on the worst teams in the league. I've been on the best team. It's like, I've kind of seen it all. And so going from my rookie year, I was on Jacksonville and Houston and combined, you know, those are two of the worst teams. Like my record, my whole rookie year, I didn't win a game. So, wow. Going to Seattle, it was just like I had a workout and I ended up, uh, they signed me. I was on practice squad. And like I said, I just worked and just worked and got my way up to the active and just making it to that Super Bowl. It was just, it's, I tell people all the time, it's really everything you dream of. Like it's that whole week that it's just so much anticipation. You can just feel it. And uh, I, it's, it's one of those things like looking back now, I didn't even realize how cool it was. Um, but it was definitely a, a amazing moment, especially coming from the teams that I had been on before that with, with no success to all the success. So it was really cool. You know, you mentioned, you know, Super Bowl week. What, you know, especially for somebody like you that didn't have a lot of NFL experience, I mean, there's a lot of demands. Not only just is it just this incredible week, but there's – demands for tickets, there's family, there's practice, there's media, and then you get a focus. So how do you, I mean, just talk about trying to balance all that. Yeah, it was definitely uh, tough to balance. The hardest thing was, it's crazy, but the tickets, like, you know, you get, you get your tickets, you gotta, you gotta pick who you want. Cause you know, it's the biggest game of your life. Who do you want to be there? Um, and most likely you have to pay to get them there. And then the, where they're going to stay. Like they, luckily they, Seattle, Seattle did a good job of, you know, they blocked off rooms for us. Um, but, yeah, that whole travel thing was kind of stressful, making sure everybody got there and then um, getting to the games. You know, they're they're more worried about doing the activities. I'm like, I still have to play. Like, you know, like we yes. got a game to play. Like, we need to focus. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a struggle. But you got to, you know, keep the, keep the main thing the main thing and uh, just focus on the game. But they did a good job of, tailoring our schedules where we had time to see family and enjoy it, but at the same time, get down to business and, and know what you're there for. Where was that Super Bowl? So that one was in Arizona. Okay. So it wasn't time zoning from Seattle. That's not too bad of a it travel. Bad. No, it wasn't too bad time zone wise. And we yeah. played Arizona uh, twice during the year. So we have been used to going out there. And right. So, you know, the demands of a not just Super Bowl week. So as a, on an NFL player, um, you know, people don't realize that it's it's really not. They they say there's an off season, but right. you know, you're it, it, it's you're doing a lot. So how do you balance 
your spiritual life, family life with the demands of being an NFL player because especially during the season, right. I mean, it's seven days a week. So how do you stay connected spiritually and to your family given the demands? So um, spiritually, the, the great thing about the NFL is each – so each team has a chaplain. So they have a team chaplain, and, you know, they – because most of the game's on Sunday, so we don't get to go to church. But so Saturday night before the game, they'll have like a service for us, um, you know, a small, intimate service, and we'll get a word. And and what I like so much about Seattle is the chaplain that we had, his name was Judah Smith. He um he would take out time during the week to come and, and give us a word. And really, we we had like a small group of guys, but he would – kind of open it up to anything like we could ask him anything and um it was just a good like bible study type of time and for me when you're in the nfl like there's tons of distractions you know you you most of these people are making more money than they've ever made and um the 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 main thing is just surrounding yourself with a good group of teammates mm-hmm. yeah that was easy you know we had russell wilson we had cam chancellor um Jermaine Curse, these are really great Christian leaders that we had. So you could just follow their lead. Like I my my goal was like, I'm just gonna try to follow Cam's lead as a man and, mm. and Russell Wilson's lead as a man. And those guys did a great job of leading the way, just keeping each other accountable. Um and like I said, having Judah there to to kind of guide us and keep us on um schedule it was great it was a, it was a great experience and like I said, it is tough and and some people fall into the, the the distractions of the nfl but i just think if you can surround yourself with a good group of teammates it'll make it a lot easier and those guys made it a lot easier for me to just stay focused and on my word in the word and, and just stay focused on the, the task that's a good reminder for anybody you know not just uh athletes if we surround ourselves with a core group of folks that believe like us, it does help us stay, like you said earlier, keeping the main thing the main thing. Right, right. <clears throat> what would you say um, would be a greatest accomplishment in your career? It can be high school, college, pro. Um, so just kind of for me, it's kind of the whole NFL experience in general, just being mm-hmm. able to play five years or six years um, – as coming in as undrafted because I've people I played with when first round or second round, a lot of them didn't make it five years. So I just, to me, that's just, that's a big accomplishment to me just to, to be able to withstand getting cut 10 times or however many times and, and just never quitting and just keep going. Um, and a lot of that has to do with my faith too, just being able to, to know that God has a plan for me and not mm-hmm. give up. So to me, that was my biggest, that was my biggest accomplishment. What about uh biggest, I don't I hate to use the word disappointment, but uh, disappointment or challenge? Challenge. Okay. So um so my last year in Seattle, um, Earl got hurt. So I'd actually got the chance to start. And it was just a great opportunity. I, you know, like I had people telling me, oh, if you if you play well, like you'll get paid, and um, you know, this is like your moment. Mm-hmm. And 
it was just it was a lot you know it was a lot Play, starting is it was it was pretty tough and it was playoff playoff time and uh my last playoff game i played just played kind of terrible and for me that was kind of the hardest part was just having that great opportunity and feeling like i did the work and put in the extra time but still going out there and not playing my best and um it was just one of those things where it felt like a failure but it honestly just made me stronger and um but that was definitely it was tough not being able to play up to what I felt was my best ability and one of the most important games of my life. Yeah. So we were talking before we started recording that, you know, you hadn't officially retired, um, you know, still working out and kind of waiting to see as we record this. Many camps have started, training camps coming in the right. six or so weeks. So what role does your faith play in deciding that, you know, I mean, you got a big decision to make here soon of, you know, to keep playing, or is it time to walk away from what you know most of your life is football? I mean, what role does your faith play in that? Oh, it's it's everything. You know, I'm I'm leaning, I'm le I'm pressing in because it's it's been tough um with the uncertainty of it all. But um I just when you believe that God has a plan for you and that, you know he will order my steps and he will put me in the right path. You just kind of, I kind of go, I just kind of sit back and just put my trust in him. You know, faith is, it's not how it is when everything's going good. It's kind of how it is when things aren't going your way and things haven't been going my way. So I've just been really relying on him and, and um, just, like I said, just put my faith in him. And for me, it hasn't been as hard <clears throat> as, I feel like it would be if I didn't have my faith to lean on. Mm, and that's good. there's a lot of, you know, like there's a lot of people just in life when you go through a, a season of, you know, kind of like a silent, like things aren't going your way and, and then something happens and, you know, God surprises you and, and has a, a, a blessing for you. So I just feel like I'm just in one of those seasons and something good is going to happen. Whether it's football, whether it's something else, I'm just trusting that something's going to happen soon that it works in my favor. Man, that's an encouragement to me. I mean, to have all that uncertainty, but to still be clinging, clinging to him. I mean, I have to remind myself all the time, every day, that God's plan is much greater than mine. Right, right. Like even though I make... think my, even though I think mine's pretty good, yeah. I always have to remind myself that, you know, put my plans aside. That, like you said, he's gonna order our steps. Right, and it's like I, I'm not gonna make because it's like somebody told me it's like you make plans. He kind of laughs at those. Like, yeah, that's uh, we're gonna do it my way. And uh, that's I'm right. Trusting, yeah, trusting in his way, and I think it'll work out. I'm, I'm not absolutely worried about it. So, I mean, you talked about a couple guys from the Seahawks who were strong strong believers that had an impact on you. Is there a story or two that how you saw God use you in another player's life? Oh yeah. I think, I think he's always used me just in the way of just have, just bringing people with me. Like in, mm. uh, I, I want to say at, at uh, A&M, we used to have the same thing. We have the chaplain service and, um, it would be, so it would be Friday nights before the game. And I just remember sometimes like just asking, just simply, you know, just asking players to just come with me, like just come on to this chaplain with me and get this word 
and them coming back and saying like, man, I'm so glad that you invited me. Like, um, I really was, I was really touched from the word, um, that we, you know, that we received and just little things like that. Um, I feel like has been my biggest way of touching people. It doesn't always have to be something extravagant. Sometimes just telling people, Hey, I'm here for you if you need me. And, or just, you know, checking on somebody that randomly, like, hey, how's it going? I was thinking about you, praying about you. Um, just want you to know. And um, I've done that a few times and people are like, man, I really needed it. I'm glad you checked in on me. So that's just kind of the person I want to be. I just want to be the, the person that people can lean on and rely on and um, just for encouragement. Sometimes that's all we, sometimes you just need a little encouragement. That's right. That's good. I like that. Um... You know, just check it on people and don't don't get so consumed with self that we forget. Because like you said, I, I can think of a couple of times you just send somebody a text. Right. Hey, you're on my mind this morning. And a lot of times they'll go, wow, I needed it. Yeah. That's good. Let me uh, ask you a question now, kind of the role of sports and culture. Um, it's no secret that culture is very divided. Um, I mean, not not just politically. I mean, religion, socioeconomics, race. There's just a lot of things that divide us, and is very few things that do unite. And sports is one um, that no matter where you go in the country, no matter where you go in the world, you know, people will gravitate towards sports and and kind of for whatever period of time you're doing sports or talking sports, everybody kind of puts aside those things that divide. So, how have you seen? Um, in your time playing sports where it's kind of torn down some walls where whether it's race or religion or politically or socioeconomics, I know, I mean, cause you've been around diverse teams. So how have you seen sports kind of tear that down? Oh, it definitely tears down. That's one of my favorite things about sports. It's just cause when you get in that locker room and when you get in the practice, you, you, like I said, you have people from all over the, the country, all over the world. You have different races and they just come together for that one goal. And it's just, for me, it's people that I probably would never have met, you know, just in any other aspect but sports. And mm. so um, it's just powerful. And uh, when I was in Seattle, we were, you know, that was during the time with the, um, you know, the, the whole national anthem protest. Mm-hmm. And, and we had some really powerful conversations like as a team just about life in general it, literally we would have I think we had like a a few like two hour meetings and it hadn't it didn't have one thing to do with football wow I, I thought that was so powerful and so cool because we would we got to see different viewpoints and we had like an open dialogue and it was just you know everybody was open-minded and I just thought that it was, it was really powerful. And, um, our way, I remember our way of demonstrating, you know, we kind of locked arms just to show that we were together during the, this crazy time. And, um, I just remember just hearing players talk about their experiences and, um, that I would have never known. And just to be able to have those conversations um, I think it was, I think it was, it was powerful because during that time, I think the, the main thing was just getting the dialogue started. Like that was kind of the first process with this, you know, 
this whole thing was just getting dialogue started. And the, the, the talks that we had were unbelievable. And I just thought that that was an example, like, man, sports is really powerful. Like we, like we're doing something here. Like we're starting some conversations um, that might not have ever been started. So I thought that was really powerful. I agree. And I know there's people probably that'll listen to this that are on both sides of that issue, the whole protest thing. And, you know, when I tried to, and I would have conversations with friends when the topic would come up and say, look, this isn't about the national anthem. Right. You know, it's about having, like you said, I, I do think good came of it, no matter what, whatever side people land on it, it did force people to have conversations. Right. And I, I think that was, I can't speak for uh cabinet, but I really think that was just the, the first step. Like he just wanted um, dialogue. And like I said, we have people who are totally against it. We have people who were totally for it, but we came together because we loved each other. You know, like it was all right. love between teammates. It was just, and we have people that disagree and it's okay. Like it's okay to disagree. That's right. That was our thing. It's like, we're not going to force anybody to, agree with us like that's life i mean you're never gonna find a whole group of people to agree but just the respect that we have in listening like and being open-minded I, that's my thing like i i don't have a problem with people being for something or against something i just want people to be open-minded and it it helped me out a lot to be open-minded to the other side or the the side for it or the side against it so what I learned from that whole thing was just the power of being open-minded and we, we can't be closed-minded um, with anything. It just, you just, you don't grow. You don't grow like that. So. I agree. And I think, you know, what you said in the very beginning about another thing about sports is that common goal. I look at, you know, the Bible is full of examples of that's really the, the design of the church. Right. You know? But even churches today, can't, you know, churches in the same town can't even get along. But we all have one goal, love God and love others. And if we focused on the common goal, even churches could tear down some walls. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. I just think that's, you know, just a beautiful picture of what the church should be. So I want to ask you now for some encouragement or advice to a student athlete or a coach that's listening. Um, you know, there are some that are in areas where it's not as easy to be bold in their faith. Um, right. there are some schools that kind of don't want guys, girls talking about their faith. So what encouragement would you offer a student athlete or a coach that, um, wants to be more bold with their faith, um, knowing that athletics is a platform? How would you encourage them? Um, for them, you can just like, I, my thing is just showing love to others. Like mm-hmm. if you can show love to your teammates, if you're a coach, show love to your your students. I think that is the most powerful way to bring people with us. Because, you know, our goal as um, a Christian, you know, you're supposed to bring people with you. And I just feel like the easiest way to do that is to show love. You know, just let people know you care about them. Um, demonstrate ways of, of love, of gratitude towards people. And you can do things like that and, and not necessarily have to be all out there with your faith and they can kind of feel it. You know, they'll just want to be around you. And then once they get close to you, they'll realize, okay, like this man is, is a Christian man or a Christian woman or like he's, he's a, a powerful man or woman. And I just think that 
that would help um that would help a lot if you can just use love to bring people with you i think that would work a lot because we kind of have sometimes christians we get this bad rep of of uh being you know judgmental and 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 things like that and it's like all in the bible there's so much love in the bible like god always jesus went through and showed love to everybody and if, if our you know if our path is trying to follow him we need to show love like we need to be more forgiving we need to be you know not hold grudges and just just show love that's that's my biggest thing is just trying to show people that i care and i think that'll help them follow me you get me fired up now because I, you know, what, what really gets under my skin, I think social media has done this, is as a Christian, a lot of times we're known for what we're against. Right. You know, nobody really knows really what we're, what we do stand for a lot of times because we're too busy tearing down people because we're against them. Right. And if we would just love somebody. Yeah, well, they look like us, act like us, believe like us, whatever. You just love somebody, man. This we could change the world. Good. And I know it sounds simple, and I, and it's not. Um, I know, you know, I'm not the easiest person to love. I get that, but I just feel like we're so focused now on what we, what we're against. Right. And I just, yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. I just feel like we. We put too many like boundaries on our love. Like I, I like this person if they don't believe in this. I like this person if they don't do that. Right. I just feel like we should take away that if it should just be like, I love this person regardless. It should be a uh, you know, just regardless. Yeah, that's good. That's probably a whole other episode right there. Right. So I'll move on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> a lot of people have a life verse or favorite scripture. So I was going to ask you, do you have one? A favorite scripture, maybe one that God's shown you recently that you'd share with us. Right. So I, I actually uh, wrote one down. I have it's kind of a favorite scripture of the moment. I have a few of them. That, I don't actually have a one favorite verse, mm -hmm. um, but I, I had a I heard a sermon not too long ago, and it was based off of Second Corinthians twelve and nine. And mm -hmm. I'll, it was like, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, mm -hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that, that was just powerful for me because he was, the whole sermon was just focused on um, like our weakness and how, how God uses our weakness to, um, you know, to elevate us because there's a lot of times where people disqualify themselves and mm -hmm. they'll be like, you know, I, I could be this great person, but I, you know, I can't do this or they limit themselves. It's like, I'm, I don't have any talents except something. And it's just like, God always uses that except he uses that. Mm -hmm. He always uses that. Um, whatever we try to limit ourselves with, I feel like he uses that. And there's examples all throughout the Bible of, of God using people like that were kind of unqualified. If you think about it, it's like, man, like what made him choose him? And it's like, I think he always, he loves the underdog story type of thing. Mm. Um, to me, that, that hit home to me because there's, there's been times where I felt like the underdog and I felt like 
I lacked in one area, but just knowing that God loves that area. Like, you know, like he, he wants us to thrive in that area that we think is a weakness. And that verse just kind of, you know, explains that. So that's one of my, my favorites recently. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I, I can sit here and say, you know, just in the last 30 minutes or so we've talked, I can see where, you know, that you live that verse. I mean, you face challenge after challenge just in your football career, mm-hmm. you know, and, and God continues to to use um, that underdog story, if you will, right. undrafted to practice squad, to getting cut or whatever. So that's good. I, I love that verse. Um, it's one I probably should go back and read more often. Um, so, man, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that, that's good. Um, I needed to hear that. Last question. This is always a, a fun one. So the, the the term all in, it's all over sports. I mean, you name a team, you hear them talking about all in. They got T-shirts, towels on the chin strap. We know what it means, but the Bible is full of where Jesus, that's what he calls us to do. If we're going to follow him, he wants us to be all in. So what does that look like for you, Stephen, to be all in in your daily walk with Christ? Um, for me, just putting him first, like, I feel like that's the biggest, the, the things that are important to you, you always put first. Like if whatever you got to do, whatever you wake up in the morning, whatever you do first, like that's kind of what's important to you. Mm. So if you're all in with, with cars, you got to put him first, whether it's, you know, making time for him, like you, you put him first and then make time for everything else. And um, that's something that I can work on more too, but just, being that's what being all in with Christ means for me, just putting him first and all your decisions, thinking of him, um, and all your your daily adventures, just putting him first. And I think that'll that'll help with a lot of decisions that people uh have and just like I said, let him guide our steps and follow. That's good. That's something, man. I tell you what, I need that reminder every day on letting him guide my steps because I, I get in his way all the time. Yeah, that's, me too. It's I mean it's it's natural. We 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 go through those phases, but uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, good deal, man. I know you got a lot going on um, in life and just a, just a busy time. So I appreciate you taking some uh, some time tonight and sharing a little bit about your story and and encouraging us. I mean, I know I got a lot out of it, and I know listeners did as well. All right, thank you. I'm glad to be a part. I had a blast. I had a blast. Yes, you bet. A huge thank you to Stephen for taking time of his busy schedule to join us, hearing about his football playing career at Texas A&M and going on to play five-plus years in the NFL after going undrafted. and But hearing how his faith played a huge role in that, um, just understanding that God has a plan to always – pressing in and he brought up the the national anthem protest and some of the positives that came from that that the big thing was from his perspective as a member of the NFL is it allowed conversations it allowed people to sit down for hours and just talk about both sides and both sides having an understanding and that's a lot that the media didn't portray so thank you for sharing that Stephen and as I sit here and look over notes I I I like what he said was we just got to be like Jesus. We got to show love to others. And that means loving people that don't look like us, act like us, talk like us, vote like us. 
And that's the way we're going to bring others to Christ, is to love them. It's not showing them right and wrong, beating them up. It's loving them where they are. And talking about what it means to be all in, he, he said that whatever's most important to you and to me, that's what we're going to put first. And that really hit home to me. Because as I look at my life daily and when I wake up, whatever's most important to me, that's what's going to be first. If my relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life, then that's what's going to be first today, tomorrow, every moment throughout the day. So I would encourage you to, to sit down and just think about that. What's most important to you today? Hopefully it's your relationship with Christ. If so, that's what's going to be first. And just to think of him, when we do that, when he is the most important thing in our life, then he's going to be a part of every decision we make during the day. Whether a big decision or a small decision, he's going to be the most important thing that we think about. And then just allow him to guide our steps every day. Making sure he's number one, making him a part of all the decisions of our life, and then he'll just guide our steps. That's what it means to be all in. So thank you, Stephen, for that reminder. I would encourage you to, to just take a step back today as you're listening to this and just think about what's important. And also think about somebody that you could share this episode with. There's somebody that needs to hear this, whether it's a family member or a friend. Just, just share it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your encouragement and your prayers. We love to hear from you. You can go to our social media platforms, interact with us, Facebook, All In Sports Outreach, our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, what we do. But most importantly, opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. I would ask you, if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, just hit the subscribe button. Go back and listen to the previous episodes and then the future episodes will be automatically downloaded going forward. We have some exciting podcasts coming up. I cannot wait for you to, to see what's coming in the future as God continues to, to open new doors with this podcast. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. But most of all, thanks for your prayers and your encouragement. Until next time.